0: And we're back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X Men comics commentary podcast. My name's Adam.
1: My name is Jeremy. And
0: we're here to discuss the uh, uncanny X Men issue number one fifty-one. Winter, Columbia, ten-speed, Formula Ten racer. Details inside. This is the November nineteen eighty-one issue, which was on sale August eleventh of nineteen eighty-one, and it is titled X Men minus one.
1: you know this Win a Columbia 10 speed Formula 10 racer I just hate this advertisement really why it just makes me angry that like this was built onto the must have been built onto the press I mean this wasn't like an overlay that for reprints they can they can use cuz this this it's in my Marvel Masterworks and I bet you it's in your uh, your omnibus
0: it had to be in my omnibus cuz otherwise I wouldn't have read it
1: yeah So I don't know. It's just whenever I read some of those old issues, like this issue you said was what 1981. Yes. So I was reading comics in 1987. I was like, "There's no way that I can win this 10-speed racer because the contest is six years old."
0: (laughs) I wonder if people continued entering it as they got like old back issues.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh this one also proclaims that the day Kitty Pride leaves the X-Men is the day the X-Men fall. Mm, that's a little misleading. Well, they do fall. Uh Kitty Pride is on the front of this wearing a little yellow dress uh w- with her little six-starred Star of David prominently displayed around her neck. Remember she is Jewish.
0: She's got a very heavy suitcase that she is uh, having a lot of difficulty with, and the uh, the rest of the X-Men are like, eh, we don't need to help her.
1: Uh, Colossus, to me, minus his head, looks like a He-Man figure.
0: Yeah, he kind of
1: does. <laughs> Just those big muscles and, I don't know, the way he's drawn there. Big hulking muscle man. Nightcrawler sitting on the porch like, well, whatever, see you, Liebschen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, one, no one's going to help her with her suitcase? Nah, okay.
1: I guess... I guess I won't either. All right, so let's open this thing up. It is written by Chris Claremont. It is penciled and inked, I guess, by Jim Sherman, Bob McLeod, and Joseph Rubenstein. Uh Uh-oh. Is that a bad sign? (laughs) Well, when it's not the main artist and there's three of them to replace it, that smells like a filler to me.
0: Well, two of them are drawers and one of them is inker.
1: Tom Orzachowski is lettering, Bonnie Wilford is coloring, Luis Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief.
0: What's going on with the X-Men? I don't even remember.
1: <laughs> well, they just got done uh, on Magneto's little fish island, if you remember.
2: Fish island!
1: Uh, then they did some stuff with the Fantastic Four, and then they had a little alternate universe experience with uh, the um, Teen Titans, and now they're back to the mansion.
0: Do, 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 we interrupt this podcast to bring you word of Jeremy's special contest, which we are putting at the beginning of this episode <laughs> so that people don't skip over it.
1: Yeah, you can win yourself a copy of X-Men 153. Details inside. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so the X-Men are gathered around the professor's study. Um, Kitty is sitting on the professor's desk. She's got a little pink bikini on uh colossus has got like a little blue speedo on and sort of storm has a little pink or a little blue um uh, bikini wolverine is in his costume but he has a towel around his neck which is weird
0: why are some of the x-men in costumes and some of them are in bikinis
1: my guess is that cyclops nightcrawler and wolverine were in the danger room training while the other three x-men were out for a swim
0: so that towel on wolverine is like a sweat towel
1: It can't be that he was swimming in his costume, can it? He's also got a cigarette. Well, he just got done with an... Ooh, maybe Yukio or Mariko was over. (laughs) He has a towel off and smoked himself a little cigarette. Uh, Anyways, the professor details the bad news that Katie's parents have decided to withdraw her from the school. Even though she's doing well and she's getting good grades, they feel like she should go to a school that has pupils her own age. I would counter that with, she should go to a school that has pupils. (laughs) As uh, I don't know that any of these X-Men actually attend classes.
0: Well, they attend danger
1: room sessions. I suppose. Uh, Anyways... So Kitty's not happy about this. Nightcrawler wants to know if there's something that they can do. But the professor's like, nope, it's their parents. They can do whatever they want to. There's
0: nothing we can do to prevent it. And that's when Kitty freaks out. You could at least try. And she jumps off the table. I don't know if she phases out of her little jacket or if she just throws it off. Hmm. Um, But that begs the question, if she does phase out of it, can she... Can she phase out of her own clothes?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. And and if she can, why didn't she accidentally phase out of her bikini? That's good control.
0: Yeah, maybe she just has really good control over her powers. Anyway, she phases through Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got
1: to be weird. I <laughs> wonder if it feels funny. <laughs> what? Oh, my. Did, are Kitty? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kitty phases through the door. Storm is uh, upset. And uh, the professor orders Storm to let her go.
0: I believe Kitty would rather be left alone.
1: W- Wolverine suggests to the professor that he use his telepathic powers to make Kitty's parents change their minds.
0: I may have indulged in such tactics in the past, Wolverine, but no more. To deliberately manipulate a sentient mind would make me no better than the villains we oppose. Oh, also... The art stinks on this panel.
1: (laughs) Uh, So the professor is basically saying that he has been a villain since day one, and today he's turning over a new leaf. (laughs) Mind wipe. Yeah. And you're just going to forget that I said that.
0: Remember Sloth from uh, Goonies? Yes. The professor kind of looks like Sloth here.
1: Kind of.
0: And what's with his tiny little hand? <laughs> he's got a tiny little mutant hand.
1: Baby Ruth. <laughs> Baby Ruth. There's a serious lack of detail on Storm on both of these panels and Colossus in the second panel. So it's like whoever was inking was like, I'll just ink the foreground and nothing else.
0: Colossus looks a lot like Namor.
1: Kind of. Kind of does, yeah.
0: And he's just wearing his underwear.
1: Kitty phases upstairs uh to her bedroom. And she's going to cry finally now that she's by herself.
0: Is this her bedroom with a giant console TV?
1: I think that's a computer because she's a computer whiz. (laughs) And this is the early 80s, so computers are what smart people do. I suppose so, yeah. I guess she uses it later. So Storm comes up and she's wondering what's going on or if, if if Kitty would like to come downstairs for some supper.
0: Storm has changed into a very nice outfit
1: not hungry <laughs> would you like to talk no no <laughs> not sulking. i just want to be left alone and it's written like that too she's
0: got a blue stuffed animal which that's
1: like uh, a it's like a blue stuffed bear dog thing
0: it's got a weird like i don't know maybe it's just oh, okay there's a bow tie and its arm its arm is all wrinkly, like some sort of
1: sausage. <laughs> She's snuggling with a blue sausage.
0: <laughs> she phases up out of the bed and through the back of the bed and runs over to the computer and says,
2: I've been searching the internet and I've discovered that Emma Frost runs the Massachusetts Academy where my parents are sending me. How do you guys not know that? And how do, how do I figure this out?
1: <laughs> well,
0: Google. And a computer in 1981.
1: (laughs) Well, pre-Google. Kitty's the inventor of Google. Apparently. The one thing I don't like about how Kitty is drawn in these early issues is she's drawn, sometimes she's drawn like a little kid, and other times she's drawn like kind of a sultry little uh, girl or woman.
0: None of this art counts.
1: Okay, (laughs) so just forget it.
0: Yeah, this is Jim Sherman, I'm presuming, and... Bob McLeod, I think, is a little bit better, because the art picks up like halfway through the issue, but right now, it's just hit or miss.
1: Yeah, it does keep going back and forth. Are you sure that they're not just alternating panels?
0: I suppose it could be.
1: (laughs) Well, the next couple of pages here are a disaster, but... Uh, Kitty points out, like, don't you remember Emma Frost? And then we get a little flashback of when Emma Frost mentally zapped a few of the X-Men and captured Storm. And if it wasn't for, like, what, Phoenix, uh, her attack, uh, the X-Men wouldn't have been saved. And they thought that White Queen was dead. I don't know what's going on in this last panel, but whoa, something's wrong with Storm.
0: Her hands are trembling and I don't know. Not a very good drawing.
1: It's just awful. She's scared. Apparently, when uh, Emma Frost was telepathically examining Storm, it really affected her, or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which
0: we don't really know anything about that, but I guess I guess it did.
1: Storm thinks to herself that she'll have to have the professor telepathically examine Kitty's parents to ensure that they aren't acting under the Queen's influence. So that's
0: that's a, that's a good plan. Mm-hmm. I guess. A telepath can tell if uh, somebody's been hit by another telepath. That's useful.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Storm also says, like, don't take this out on your parents. They think that uh, they're doing the best for you. And this is where Kitty reveals that. What? That's a crock.
2: My parents are bleeding up. Why can't they just bring me back home so we can be a family?
1: So, so in this panel, she's drawn like a woman. But then in the next panel, she's drawn like a 13-year-old girl. It's just really weird how it keeps going back and forth. I think it's tough for a lot of artists to draw kids. I think you're probably right, but I think you're right.
0: I mean, like Batman and Robin, Robin always jumps back and forth between being an adult and being a kid.
1: Yeah, he's pretty much just shorter than Batman. Yeah. But you're right, every now and then, yeah. I mean, how old is Robin supposed to be? I I suppose it varies. He's (laughs) one of the ageless characters. Depends on which Robin you're referring to as well, I guess. That's true, too. Uh, so anyways, Storm's like, stop being so selfish. People change. Things change. Kitty does the typical, if
2: they didn't love each other, why would they get married and have me? If I can't depend on that reality, what can I depend on?
1: Kitty's
0: words cut deep. Uh, Storm remembers her own parents getting
1: killed, <laughs> which is exactly the same as divorce. Yeah.
0: it's um, Her eyeballs are eights.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. That's weird. She shouldn't,
0: she shouldn't be remembering this. Children, like, what was she? Wasn't she an infant?
1: Well, yeah, but then they say something like, she got a really good memory or something. <laughs> Remember, wasn't she picking locks at three years old?
2: I feel like it's
0: a retcon. What? I, it says Aurora was four when she saw her parents killed. Yeah. Remember that she was three when she started picking locks?
1: I thought so. Yeah, I thought she was an yeah, I thought I think you're right. I thought she was an infant when her parents were killed and then she was uh picking locks at three. Oh, who so. knows? Maybe we're wrong, but I don't think so.
0: Chris Claremont retconning himself. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> or we could be wrong.
1: But the what the thing that I'm curious about is like why is Storm remembering this based on Kitty's words? I don't know. Oh, it's just kind of a weird flashback, but anyways. So they hug and uh uh, you know. Whatever. Life goes on. Life is
0: very lonely, Kitty.
1: So the next day, they have packed Kitty up. They are loading her in the car. Apparently, a discreet check by Xavier confirms that Carmen and Terry Pride are indeed acting on their own. But they're in Illinois. So how did that happen?
0: It was very discreet.
1: (laughs) It was very discreet. over the phone. (laughs) I want you to open your mind real quick.
0: Huh? He was like, Hey, did you guys know that Emma Frost works at the Academy? And they were like, No, and he was
1: like, eh, yeah. I buy it. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever that mental screen or whatever that screening process was, they passed with flying colors. Uh, the professor offers to send the furniture to Deerfield, but Kitty's like, Nah, you keep it. I'm gonna visit you every chance I get.
0: Uh, she wish she kisses she she wishes everybody goodbye and kisses uh Nightcrawler's head goodbye. Range. And uh, she says, go so long, Wolverine. And he says, Pumpkin, my friends, the name's Logan. Just you, none of these other guys.
2: Thanks, Logan.
0: And this is when she kisses Peter.
1: Like, full on. like they're... So I don't. The, the transition's a little awkward here. But, like, they're all together in front of the car, and she's giving everybody little kisses goodbye. And then, apparently, she snuck off with Peter. And actually, you can kind of see the professor and... Somebody in the background, so they they walked off, I guess. So everyone's just kinda of waiting for them.
2: Excuse me. Glasses, will you come with me?
1: Oh uh, duh. I'm not very
0: good at writing letters. I've spoken about this before.
1: <laughs> this this is not a secret from anybody.
0: <laughs> I will draw you pictures. <laughs>
1: Uh, and he's self-doubting himself, uh, but for you, Kitty, I will try if that is what you want to, if you want to hear from me. And that's when Kitty reaches up and gives him a huge kiss on lips. Mm -hmm.
2: Goodbye, Peter.
1: And she is tiny. She is, well, she's 13 and he's like 17. Yeah. (laughs) Awkward. But I suppose there is a... Uh pretty big lack of women at xavier's school for gifted people uh, you know how kids are
0: plus the other the other episode ago, Colossus had it was turning his eye at Kitty when she was wearing some ridiculous outfit,
1: yeah, and so the next panel um I don't know what is going on with Kitty, but it looks like she's separated at the neck and at the hips. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, nothing quite lines up with her figure. <laughs> so I'm not sure what design pose we were going for, but it's it's very weird. Uh, but uh, Scott asks if Kitty's ready, and she's like,
2: I am, but where's, where's Storm? Isn't she going to see me off?
1: And conveniently
0: we cut to Storm where she realizes that she had better get over
1: to see Kitty off. Oh, my God, I'm late. <laughs> so she whisks herself in, and she lands on the front, and she says, hey, let me drive you. And uh, Scott's like, well, sure, that's all right, but it might be a dangerous trip. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, if, you, if you think it's going to be a dangerous trip, you should accompany them. You should not even make it a question.
1: <laughs> yeah, since you're going into the lion's den, we're all going to come with you, but... Storm is like, nah, I got it. It's just
0: like, yeah, I know it's going to be dangerous, but whatevs. <laughs>
1: I got this, y'all. So they have a drive. Um, Kitty cries.
0: I like this first panel uh, where Storm is driving and Kitty is just kind of looking at the X-Men in the background. It's, it's a well-drawn panel. Mm, it's all right. You got to call them out when they happen because it's, <laughs> it's very few.
1: Uh there's a very there's a lack of detail going on on these faces here but
0: Storm again has changed her outfit another classy Storm
1: outfit mhm and so they drive and they cry and then she shows up at the campus and kitty's like I hate this
2: <laughs> the campus is perfect the students are perfect I hate it I know the professor wanted me to dress nightly nicely to make a good impression but I wish I'd worn my oldest, most frayed, most comfortable pair of jeans. (laughs) It's a school of preppy zombie clones.
0: And that's when the students come over and say brains.
1: (laughs) Well, so Kitty and uh, Storm go check into the dorms. Um,
0: They meet a man dressed in a dress. Yep. (laughs) It's a Uh, terrible drawing of a woman.
1: Not sure what's going on here, but... But Man Woman is apparently, like, the, the dorm, what, like the, what, are the dorm monitor?
0: Welcome, Catherine, we've been expecting you.
1: I'm cross-dressing Al. <laughs> I'm going to show you to your room.
0: This is the way we roll in this particular building.
1: <laughs> so, Storm is, I guess, oh, uh, yes, and she also says... Uh, your friend can wait in the lounge. So Storm goes out and waits in the lounge while Kitty does whatever Kitty is doing. And that's when she's thinking to herself that perhaps Wolverine was right. They should have done everything to prevent Kitty from coming to this school. And that's when Emma Frost shows herself and answers Storm's thoughts.
2: That's right, Aurora. You should have. Emma Frost!
0: There's We cut to the outside, and apparently there's some explosions and lights, and some students look up, and there's thunder, and oh? we cut to uh, a heavily made-up kitty. <laughs> I think she's demon-possessed. Yeah. She's either got black eyes or she's just put on the makeup, the, the eyeliner really thick.
1: Are you squared away, kitten? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I sense somehow that things are not quite as awful as you anticipated. Oh, but now she's turned into a little lovely schoolgirl, clasping her book at her chest.
2: Nah, they're waiting till you leave before wheeling out the rack and thumb screws.
1: Whatever that means. She's taking it lightly, I guess. Yeah.
2: It's a long trip home, Aurora. Want some company?
1: Now, why does that sentence even make sense? It doesn't. She's she's
0: cracking a joke. Oh, is she? Oh, she? Saying, oh I get not like, I don't want to be here, so you want some company home?
1: All right. I guess that joke was lost on me because I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense.
0: And that's why Storm says, ah, silly goose.
1: Got it. I would fly with you to the ends of the earth and give me a hug and I got to go. And so she does. And that's when a woman named uh, Muffy comes along and says, And that makes no sense. Hi, are you Kit? I'm Muffy.
0: That figures. (laughs)
1: What? (laughs) Well, it figures that her name is Muffy, I think. I
2: knew I was going to meet a girl named Muffy.
1: Well, Muffy is kind of like a prep school, prep academy school type highfalutin. Is it? Muffy. I think it's kind of... I've never heard Muffy before. Well, nobody has. But I think in the 80s, like early 80s, that would be something that one would laugh at. Hi, Muffy. I don't need... Muffy must be short for something.
0: Hi, are you Kit? I'm Muffy. (laughs) I'm your orientation advisor. I'm another dude.
1: (laughs) Lots of dudes in dresses here. You'll get used to it.
0: Come on, I'll show you to your dorm.
1: In fact, are you a dude? Because I see you're wearing a dress. Yeah, so Storm is driving the car home, and she pulls off, and now she's got... A crazy non-storm-like smile on her face.
0: And this makes no sense whatsoever. She says, I'm probably too close to the academy. Kitty might see what I'm doing, but I don't care. I've waited too long, planned and worked too hard for this moment. So if she's planned and worked so hard for this moment, why is she like blowing it all by doing what she's about to do so so close to the academy where Kitty might see what she's doing? I mean, I get it. She's excited, but it's just
1: terrible dialogue. Uh, yeah, it doesn't it don't make... work. Yeah, that's all. No, I'm with you. I don't so that's when she gets out of the car and she's she quotes some King Lear, which I'm not going to read, but whatever. Something about whiteheads. So it might be a acne commercial. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she...
0: whitehead. Oh, acne medica- medication.
1: Ouch. So she, uh, whips up a storm and she, uh, flies into the air and she's flying around and, uh, she's talking about the storm she created and just marveling at the fact that with the mere concentration, she can shape things of nature to her will.
0: It's as though storm has never done this before. It's very strange.
1: So she whips up a rainstorm, which slowly turns into a snowstorm and she's whipping around and flying, but then she's kind of like, "All right, I got a, I got, I got a job to do, so I'm going to be done." And she admits to herself that over the last few minutes, she almost lost control, and she's got to remember that.
0: Yeah, she she learns that creating a storm is much easier than getting rid of a storm. And then it says the struggle leaves her exhausted, but at its end, all is once more as as it should be. Except for the fact that her car is still covered in snow in this panel
1: <laughs> she also well she learns and, and uh, details to the audience something that I don't think that has been uh, uh, explained is that she doesn't necessarily create weather out of nothing. she manipulates natural weather patterns at a fantastically accelerated rate. which is interesting because that adds at least a little bit of science to her power but still doesn't explain how she can whip up like floods in hallways and stuff.
0: Yeah, the flash floods are kind of weird
1: yeah. Uh, but what's going on? I don't, I don't understand. Like, why is Storm being all weird? It does, that doesn't make any sense.
0: She's very excited about the experience, so she lights up a post cigarette. She didn't have coitus, and she doesn't smoke. Uh, well, you know, I was, I, postcoital. <laughs> <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't really, Storm, I'm saying that the Storm was akin to an, an orgasm. I know what you were
1: saying, Adam, but... Why'd you question me? <laughs> you make me look like a fool on my own podcast. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, well, it turns out that uh, she's got work to do, so she places a person-to-person call using the mobile operator, whatever that is. Sebastian Shaw here. Wait, what? She called Sebastian Shaw? That's what I said, Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, in fact, uh, she did. She explains to Sebastian that that this is Aurora and she's just delivered Katie Pride to the Massachusetts Academy and thought she'd ring an old friend.
0: Judging from recent weather reports in your vicinity, I assume all is going to plan.
1: Yep, the assumption is correct. Uh, she dearly wishes she could present, be present when Miss Frost awakes. The torment she'll be going through ought to be exquisite, she says, as she continues to smoke her cigarette.
0: Very nasty, my darling, but then that's what makes you so appropriately delightful as the White Queen.
1: What? What? Wait. What a grand compliment. Uh, So she says she'll be on the road for a few more hours and that Sebastian Shaw should initiate phase two after she arrives at Xavier's school.
0: She's got a big old laughy face on. She must have swallowed her cigarette.
1: Now... We're at the basement of the Academy's administration building where uh, a dude wearing either a shield uniform or a hellfire goon outfit is guarding a door. And He's got a
0: walkie-talkie, a pistol, and a knife.
1: Up. And uh, the woman's like, we're not supposed to open that door for nothing. The only thing we're supposed to do is prevent her from escaping.
0: She sounds in bad shape. I'd better check her out.
1: No! <laughs> Don't you do it! So in the room, a blonde-haired woman in kind of a pink or purple nightgown has rolled off the bed, and she's thinking to herself... Well, it's Storm. She's thinking to herself that when she faced the White Queen, she felt the telepathic cybolt burn into her mind, and now appears she's in a cell, and she feels like her voice is a little strange, and her body doesn't seem quite right, but there's so little light that she can barely see.
0: Dang. Normally, uh she 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 has vision night vision that is as keen as wolverines but um here she's virtually blind she doesn't know what's going on
1: i didn't know about this keen eye vision before
0: <laughs> Add added up to storm powers no oh, okay keen eye vision never in danger in a dark room
1: so she tries to generate a ball lightning <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> but nothing happens, so she finds a light switch, she turns it on, only to reveal that she is in the body of Emma Frost. No, goddess, no!
0: In a tiny and revealing nightie.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a coloring issue, or if she really is just showing that much cleavage.
0: Well, there's there's a strap along the top, so I don't know if just the middle part is see-through or... yeah. Somebody at the Marvel bullpen was like, oh, "I'm going to make this a little more interesting for the kids."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be like a a, 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 a white like uh, tank top, but instead the colors is like, "Nah, <laughs> more skin." Well, meanwhile, uh, over at the Xavier Mansion, Kurt Wagner and Amanda Sefton are rekindling their love. <laughs> They mention Margulies Sardaz, which is Amanda's mother, and Nightcrawler's stepmother, foster mother. Adoptive mother. So continuing the weirdness that they grew up together and now they're in love.
0: And they kiss in front of the moon, and that's when they get attacked by an energy bolt.
1: Zap. Find cover. Find cover, Amanda. We're under a...
0: Kurt. Kurt gets blasted and he's unconscious.
1: And that's when coming from behind the horizon it's what looks like a big sentinel body. Sensors mark contacts. Male is male, X-Men, Ident Codex, Nightcrawler.
2: Mother could reduce that thing to melted slag with a gesture, but the spells I've been taught aren't effective against material real-world objects, especially those made of cold iron.
1: Females readings are anomalous and unknown to memory. Prime capture of both subjects squark Squark.
0: Cyclops blasts the sentinel from all the way into in the the mansion.
1: It's quite a shot. And it goes scram (laughs) Uh. Amanda thinks to herself that the force beam must be must have come from the house and it must be Cyclops, but how could he possibly know they were in trouble?
0: That's when Wolverine shows up. Um, I guess the sentinel s- splashes water onto uh, Amanda and Nightcrawler because there's a lot of water in this shot. Well,
1: I think because the panel prior is the sentinel getting shot backwards towards the little pond, this next panel is directly after that when the sentinel lands in the pond, it's splashing water on everybody. Right. Yeah. It's silly. It kind of is. Wolverine explains that there's a slight tingle inside your skull, and that's because Charlie is using his psi powers to keep track of everybody, and when they're in range, he keeps a constant low-level rapport with all the X-Men. That's how he knew you two were under attack, Manda! What are you staring at? What's wrong?
2: Well... I'm kind of in shock because that means the professor was sort of watching me make out with
0: Nightcrawler.
2: Does he know what I was thinking about his tail? Because that's a little
1: embarrassing.
0: He does, Bob.
1: Oh, oh man. (laughs) He's a bit of a futzer. (laughs) And so she says, it didn't come alone. What are they, Wolverine? What do they want? She says, pointing at three more sentinels coming out of the water. You know what we've never seen, Adam? An aerial map of the mansion, because where is this giant lake
0: uh, i don't know i was i was this was this reminded me of the juggernaut episode way back in sixteen or fifteen yeah when the juggernaut and they had all these kind of defenses, the juggernaut invaded the mansion and they had a, like a, a sequence of defenses surrounding the mansion and Yes. I, I don't know if there was a lake then or
1: not. I don't recall. There there was trenches and lasers, but there was no lake.
0: But what happened to all the defenses?
1: Well, we talked about that. Shouldn't they be getting hit by missiles right now? We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I know, but it's (laughs) fine. It is. Uh, Wolverine says that they're sentinels. They're blah, blah, blah. We know what sentinels are. Uh, Meanwhile, at the secret control center far beneath the Hellfire Club, Sebastian Shaw monitors and controls the progress of the mechanoid creations. And apparently, he likes to have young ladies operate the Sentinels because that's all this room is filled with.
0: He's got, like, old-school 60s telephone operators (laughs) operating these really complicated video screens. They're all dressed the same. They're all fairly attractive, it appears. Um and they have devices that are able to run a scan on Wolverine. His bones are laced with adamantium, making them essentially unbreakable. He also possesses adamantium claws, which extend through openings in the backs of both hands from housings built into his forearms. To which I say, how the hell did you just scan that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They did a magnetic scan, and using thermal technology, they were able to radiate the sonogram... Which showed an outline. Ball, <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Didn't you read the official handbook to issue 151?
0: How does she know anything about adamantium? And I don't know. Does, did, the, did the scan also say, oh, by the way, the metal that you're seeing here, that's adamantium. Oh, and adamantium is essentially unbreakable.
1: Shaw has an incredible training program.
0: <laughs> Neutralize him quickly, techno. I guess her name is techno. <laughs> but keep him alive. Harry Leland has plans for that pipsqueak psychopath.
1: Oh, yeah. And the sentinel then shoots out cables towards Wolverine and Amanda Sefton. Wolverine cuts them handily. Wolver- or Colossus appears over the horizon, and Wolverine orders him to attack. Wolverine,
0: I have come to help. I'm not just watching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so Colossus grabs some of those cables and pulls the sentinel Uh, towards him and does a judo throw that Cyclops taught him.
0: Yes, Nightcrawler wakes up in the meantime and takes Amanda Sefton back to the... uh, because she can no longer walk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's scared.
2: I'm scared, Nightcrawler. Carry me. I'm just a girl.
1: A4, execute immediate starfire sequence to immobilize target.
0: And he does. He blasts Wolverine full out in the face and blinds him. Uh the sentinel thinks that Wolverine is now helpless as uh, Wolverine is saying, Colossus, Petey, I can't see. Just revealed your identity to these sentinels, sort of. <laughs> anyway. Uh but Wolverine says, No way, I'm not I'm not helpless. I may be blind, but my other senses are working fine. I don't need to see your ugly face to cut it to ribbons, capiche, sucker. And he stabs this sentinel who says Squark.
1: Wolverine, let me be your eyes, I will guide you with my thoughts. My dirty, dirty thoughts. (laughs) Cyclops wonders, where did they come from? I thought we were done with sentinels for good when we put Stephen Lang and his Project Armageddon out of business. I do not know, Cyclops. In addition to learning their creator, we must discover how they managed to breach the security of this estate, i.e., we don't have an explanation for that.
0: Fear not, mutant. All will be revealed in due course as a sentinel bursting through the roof.
1: And as the sentinel bursts through the roof, a car drives uh, through the gate, and it's Storm, and she's like, Ugh, you started without me, you jerk. <laughs> Fine.
0: That sentinel who bursts through the roof gasses the professor and Cyclops, they're out for the count.
1: So she decides that, uh, well, she's kind of having a internal, like, I'm going to have an I told you so moment with you, Shaw, because she has a feeling that... Um, The X-Men will be able to take out the Sentinels.
0: The X-Men have fought the Sentinels before and triumphed
1: every time. But even the longest winning streaks can't last forever, says the narration box. Uh,
0: Since Cyclops and Professor X fell unconscious, uh, apparently it it is affecting uh, Wolverine's balance or abilities because he was in wolverine's head being his eyes and it just got cut off and so wolverine is freaking out
1: oh my god my eyes uh the sentinel smacks colossus in the head driving him into the ground by <laughs> mighty by sound and conan shows up uh yeah and he says something about the lamentations of the women
0: Nightcrawler teleports back to the uh, X-Men's Armory, stocked with myriad varieties of esoteric deadly weaponry. He grabs a case of plastique, then teleporting as fast as he can, he returns to the fray, space shifting from sentinel to sentinel faster than the eye can follow, attaching thick gobs of plastic explosive and detonators to their joints. Start to finish, the job takes nine seconds. He'd set the detonators for ten The plastic explodes silently.
1: Yes, it does. Dialogue aside, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. It's a a pretty good use of Nightcrawler's powers, finally.
0: Yeah, it it is. It is.
1: And it's quite effective. All the Sentinels fall down. Uh, One of the Sentinels is falling. It's in pieces, but it's not quite out for the count. So Storm flies in, i.e. Emma Frost, and says, Look, one of the Sentinels is still moving. Hit the deck, everyone. I'll take care of it. Which is when everybody should say, Storm doesn't say I'll. She says, I will. (laughs) Hmm.
0: She blasts the sentinel, and it lands on top of Wolverine, knocking him unconscious.
1: Nightcrawler is kind of like, why did you attack so careless, Storm? The robot was crippled. We could have found a safer way to destroy it.
0: Amanda says,
2: Wolverine's hurt unconscious. If he hadn't shielded me from the explosion, I I would probably be dead.
1: Storm apologizes to Nightcrawler. I'm sorry, Nightcrawler. And then she orders Colossus to de-armor and everybody to go change into their civilian clothes in case the neighbors come wondering what's going on. And as Colossus says, as you wish, Storm, like some sort of slave, uh, <laughs> she zaps everybody that's still not unconscious. Pleasant dreams, X-Men. X-Men are easily knocked out
0: by Emma Frost slash Storm.
1: Meanwhile, uh, at the Academy, Emma Frost slash Storm is trying to pick a lock, and she has the ability in her mind, but she doesn't have the dexterity of the body, so her hands aren't quite cooperating. But after a while, she's able to pick the lock, and that's when she discovers voices in her head, and that's because, obviously, she's got Emma Frost's powers.
0: Now, she think she hears somebody think to themselves, how did I ever get partnered with such a jerk? Do you think that, that, that that's the woman outside?
1: Probably, like, yeah.
0: The guy was, like, all hitting on her locker room style in the previous time we saw them?
1: Probably, yeah, yeah. So she collapses. Uh, the two guards come running. Uh, they've got the little, um, what do you call it, hellfire faceless face thing going on now.
0: It's kind of funny that they have hellfire female agents and they just their face mask goes under their hair
1: that's true because the guy he's got something that covers his whole head
0: yeah I, I don't why don't they just give the women masks that cover their whole heads
1: i don't know or if it's like
0: if it's like a serious like army, she should have a shaved head
1: that's true uh so they find emma frost and they they go to pick her up but she is able to use her speed, I guess, to run away. She's drowning in the thoughts. Um, she thinks back to her friend, Jean Grey. And I, have, I actually have this comic, and I've read this comic a few times in the past, and this panel has always bothered me. And, and maybe it's my internal racist, and I, I try not to be, and I, I hope that I'm not. But the way this panel is drawn is like, Storm is Jean's housemaid. <laughs> I don't know why that is. It's because, like, you never see Storm with her hair tied back in a ponytail. And you never see her, like, setting the table. And it's just the way that Jean is kind of whipping telepath telekinetically all the dishes over to her, kind of, like, callously not thinking about Storm. And then just Storm's expression. Just like, well, come, hey, slow down there. This is a turning point in Storm slash Emma Frost to say, like, hey, you got to concentrate to keep the telepathic ability in line, I actually accidentally read your mind. Your mind told me that you were ready for these dishes, so I sent the dishes over for you, even though you didn't ask.
0: I sometimes get people's thoughts and words confused.
1: Uh, so Emma Frost, she grabs a rock. She waits for uh, one of the goons to come around the corner, and it the it, it's implied here that she hits him over the head.
0: Uh, she thinks to herself that the process of Uh, controlling the the thoughts that are piercing her mind is somewhat similar to controlling the weather. So that's that's kind of
1: important. So then Kitty is back at her um, room, and she's like, oh, man, I wish I wasn't here.
2: I almost wish the Hellfire Club would make a move. This is driving me loony.
0: And that's when Emma Frost bursts into her room and says, Kitty, are you all right? And she says,
2: oh, I've heard of giving a girl what she wants, but this is ridiculous.
1: So she jumps out of the bed using her, probably her honed X-Men abilities to try to get out of danger's way. And that's when Emma, or Storm Slash, Emma is like, no, child, don't stop. And she accidentally cybolts Kitty.
2: I came to love this child. I came to save this child I love and instead i may have killed
1: her that's such a terrible ending i mean obviously she didn't kill kitty but it's like how are we going to end this thing dramatically i know let's pretend like we killed kitty
0: to be concluded in the hellfire gambit gambits in the next issue oh so that
1: must be his first appearance so uh not not the greatest issue it's 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 a as far as fillers go it's decent so far, I mean, the X-Men have had a, a few different fillers. I mean, the uncanny X-Men, the new group of X-Men. And all of them have at least done something to forward the plot of the story, so it hasn't been like a complete waste of time, but uh, whatever.
0: Yeah, it furthers the whole uh, Hellfire Club and the Sentinels thing.
1: Well, and, and, and holes in the back of Wolverine's hands, which that's not quite true, but, but we, we haven't been told that before, how, those, how his claws work.
0: There is a letter in the X-Mail in which it's kind of amusing. I don't know if you read the letters page. I did not. But somebody talks about how uh, Kitty's a really great character and it would be interesting to like have her encounter some things that characters uh, real people her age actually encounter, such as drugs. And then the Amy Cohen, age 14, writes, "I think you should write a long story, three issues or more, about Kitty getting involved in drugs like marijuana, alcohol, etc. I know there is a ban on printing drug stories in the comic books, but I think you should, because it will save a lot of lives." Ooh. This story is not a dream. This story will give a special notice about how bad drugs are. I'm not a junkie, user, or pothead. I'm clean. I don't like to see some teenagers my age get involved in drugs and risk their lives. I really want you to tell the world how bad drugs are. If you print that, it will make readers think about drugs and will save a lot of lives.
1: Wow. What's the response? Uh, They kind of don't
0: really respond. Oh, it's one of those. (laughs) They're kind of like, you know, yeah, it's tough being a kid, and Kitty has to face mutant menaces and the crises of growing up. And that's what people like about her. So, yeah,
1: maybe. (laughs) Uh, I I did read that there was kind of like an excuse. They're like, you may have noticed that there was three names on the art. Well, that's because we just got done with a big double-sized issue, and we needed a break. (laughs) Dave
0: Cockrum needed a two-issue
1: break. Oh, my hands, they hurt. Well, we got some uh, mail. Actually, yeah, we got a bunch of mail here to catch up on. Uh, First of all, on the iTunes page... Fubar Jr., he wrote us, and he said, uh, If you are an old fan or a new to the X-Men, this podcast will bring you more up-to-date than rereading your backlog. Adam and Jeremy bring insight, outside sources, and hilariously spot-on voice acting. From the hokey 60s to the Claremont era and beyond, a great audio companion to a visual medium ideal for kids, futzers, and orphans with eyes. Deadly, deadly eyes.
2: My deadly, deadly eye.
1: I'm glad that we're finally being recognized For our spot on voice acting I'm, I'm actually s- quite surprised That we haven't been tapped to, uh, to help out with some upcoming Marvel features Or cartoons
0: Oh, they didn't call you?
1: <laughs> Damn it I'm not supposed to say
0: anything, am I? Shoot
1: <sighs> I'm going to be Wolverine in the upcoming animated X-Men cartoon Speaking of which <laughs> Why isn't that a thing? We've got, we've got Avengers and Spider Man, and I don't know. There was like some Fantastic Four a little while ago. How come there's no X Men? What's up with that, Adam?
0: Uh, their X Men have had plenty of shows. I'm sure they will have it again.
1: Yeah, but it's just it's been so long. And besides, I don't count that animated thing because that that's like Japanese. I haven't watched it. It looks good, but it's not like it's not made for us. And then there yeah, was how many
0: different shows have there been?
1: What, like 3? Yeah,
0: so give them time.
1: <laughs> it's been plenty <laughs> sure of enough,
0: time. going to show up. The it's just people are like trying to do all sorts of different superhero things right now.
1: Yeah, well, why aren't, why isn't the X-Men in the mix? Because it's been done already. Yeah, but it could be done again. And I'm sure it will be. <laughs> all right.
0: We also got uh, another five-star review from A Tyke 4711 saying Adam and Jeremy are great. The podcast is highly entertaining and great to listen to. Without it, my work days would be a lot more boring and painful. Painful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I started reading the collected editions of X-Men a couple months back, and this podcast is great for both commentary on the issues that I have read as well as filling in the gaps where issues are missing in between the collections that I have. I would recommend this podcast to anyone, X-Men fan or not. These guys are hilarious and knowledgeable, so go subscribe and listen. I
1: agree. I agree.
0: About which part? All of it. Alright.
1: <laughs> we got an email from somebody who identifies themselves as me, which is weird. But anyway. No, it was from you, right? No, it was it was not. It was from me.
0: Yeah, it was from you, right?
1: No 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 no. It was it was it wasn't from me. It was it was from a it was from me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's from Beth. Oh I'm looking at it now. It's from somebody named Beth.
1: But her email address says it's from me. That's true, it does. <laughs>
0: But it's not from you. It's from me.
1: All right. Uh, she she says that she's recently listened to the episode where people called in about how they got into X-Men. So she wanted to share her story. She has a strange history with comic books and movies. She never really cared about them until about three years ago when she saw her first superhero movie, which was Thor. And then she spent the last three years going back and watching all of the Marvel movies, the Nolan movies, the Spider-Man movies. And this summer she watched the X-Men movies, or the X, uh, she watched all of the X-Men movies, excluding Wolverine. And she thinks that she might have watched the first X-Men a year or two ago, but didn't pay any attention to it. Uh, she is now a big fan of the original trilogy she doesn't care about wolverine or the fast or first class people too much but she's loved the x-men since may 2014 uh she wishes she she could have a cool story about how she's loved them since she was a kid uh but it was kind of weird to sit down at 20 years old and finally learn what the x-men are and that sentence just made me feel old (laughs) anyways uh she also watched the X-Men the animated series and I where did she watch the X-Men the animated series? It's not on like Amazon, it's not on Netflix, it's not on TV. It's on Netflix. Is it?
0: I thought so. But are you, you
1: know. are you sure it's not like X-Men Evolution? Like uh, I I want some old school 90s X-Men animated series. I would watch well, that probably back to back. I thought it was, but maybe it I is. I haven't checked recently. Anyways, that's what truly turned her into an X-Men fan. Compelling characters, relevant plots, Uh, They weren't scared to back down from discrimination, bigotry, parallels. She mostly loves X-Men for Magneto. She's a villain junkie, and so she usually reads the books and watches the movies for the villains. Uh, Sometimes she's disappointed with the lack of villain uh, uh, development in superhero movies, but she thinks Magneto in his present form is an excellent villain with a compelling backstory. Uh, And Silver Age Magneto is fun, too. (laughs) <laughs> always get a laugh out of your commentary on him the first comic book you ever collected was the current magneto solo series and they're amazing so that's awesome um when i was a kid and i was about uh, i think it was in fifth grade some friends and i uh were big x-men fans and we always thought it would be awesome if there was a hellfire club comic book but then we're like how would they possibly print hellfire on the cover of the magazine every month wouldn't that violate some sort of law
0: they could have called it the Heckfire club (laughs) that's
1: right so there you go
0: we also got a letter from ben avery uh, and the subject of this email uh, email is star wars burn claremont game of thrones and lost and he says guys the subject line will all make sense it's not as random as it seems uh and apparently we had talked about his star uh, star wars podcast before and he says it's at comicbooktimemachine.com and it's one element of a larger feed. Two other hosts and I do groups, group episodes about comics, solo episodes about things they're reading, and he's reading Star Wars month by month and other Marvel licensed books. In an upcoming episode, uh, he does Star Wars 4, John Cutter 5, Godzilla 3, and Human Fly
1: 2. So it's really all over the place. And I'm going to say that this, this letter's from September, so that episode's already been recorded and aired we're just finally getting around to the letter so you should check it out everybody
0: <laughs> It's oh yes it's definitely aired uh when professor allen suggested i listen to you guys it was just before their podcast had started and he said that we were doing something similar reading through x-men and checking out their appearances that month we've done some issue episodes about what if and our favorite batman stories and the death of wolverine etc wolf well death of what wait who? <laughs> spoilers um i just listened to your last episode and you mentioned the whole claremont bern burn thing <laughs> beer john Byrne undid claremont's arcade doom story and then he's he saw this news item where l ewing references that very same uh panel and what happens
1: i have it right here he says uh I once let Arcade strike a match on me just to maintain that confusion. Think boy, if I am ever defeated or dishonored, and then shzrak, a couple of Doombots are destroyed. Which is confusing because it's 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 done underneath the panel that Burn did, where he's like, You let Arcade strike a match on you? Doom doesn't need anybody, and he disintegrates that Doombot, so I don't know.
0: So either Al Ewing did not see that burn issue or I don't know. This makes no sense regardless. <laughs> why would you?
1: Do <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just funny that they keep playing with the same story. I, I hope it's accidentally. You think so?
0: I No, I, I don't know. But I just, I I hope it is. Like uh, Al Ewing is reading the Uncanny X-Men. is like, oh, I'm going to bring that in. And he just happens to bring the same thing that John Byrne brought in without realizing
1: it. Oh, so you think that maybe he didn't actually see the John Byrne thing? That's just what I hope. Because yeah.
0: otherwise, why would you do that? It makes no sense. All right. Which I imagine,
1: why would this guy bother? Well, because it's Dr. Doom. Or you think Al Ewing, why would he bother? Maybe maybe Al Ewing is like a super Claremont fan. And he's like, well, Byrne's got, he's a good artist, but he's kind of a jerk. So I'm in charge now. I'm I'm just going to, whoops. Sorry, Byrne, you lose.
0: I'm just going to pretend like the thing that happened in Fantastic Four never actually happened. Yeah. Doom was totally lying.
1: Yeah. It makes no sense. That's confusion and allure to Dr. Doom. I don't know. I don't really care. Move on.
0: <laughs> so uh, Ben has now listened to everything, and he was he had the 3 prong listening where he was listening to an old episode, a current episode,
1: mm, that's right.
0: and an episode in the middle there somewhere. And uh, he says it has put him in a similar station when he read Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was recommended to him by many people, but he only read it when he had to read it because they didn't want to be stuck waiting for the next book. Hmm. And so he read them. Uh, and now he's stuck reading for the next book, and now he's also waiting for the next Danger Room, and he doesn't have back issues to lean on, to which I say, start over. There you go.
1: Listen to it again. Ca- catch everything you didn't hear the first time around. It's twice as funny the second time. Maybe. If you, if you play the episodes backwards, there's a secret message that Adam gives you in every episode.
0: Yes, you should listen to the episodes <laughs> backwards.
1: And tell us what the secret message is.
0: He says one of the big highlights of listening to their show, to our show, Out of Order, and jumping uh, back and forth is that one day he heard an episode towards the end, where I, where we were talking about Lost, and I recommended Lost to you, Jeremy, and uh, and then you said I feel like we've had this conversation before, and then that same day he listened to an old episode, where we were talking about Lost, and I recommended it to you again.
1: Is that show any good? Lost? Yeah. No, it's terrible. Oh, Okay. I should it's
0: best show ever oh I highly recommend you watch it actually
1: really I feel like we've had this conversation before nah all right well cool yeah so go check them out Uh, comicbooktimemachine.com especially I guess that issue with uh, Star Wars number four John Carter number five and Godzilla number three uh, as that ties into our own podcast as well as the human fly number two so there you go
0: he has a couple of other websites which will pimp because we're nice guys. Uh, BenAvery.com is his personal website. Welcome to WelcomeToLevel7.com is his podcast about Marvel's Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and ComicBookTimeMachine.com, as we, as we mentioned, is a podcast about comic
1: books. I am way behind on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think I've only watched the first three episodes of the first season you are way behind them. So I will not be listening to Welcome to Level 7 because I don't want spoilers. I mean, I figure if they renewed it for a second season, it must be good. And somewhere around like episode 7 or 8 last year, everybody was going nuts about how good it was. So uh, It's okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I may not be missing much?
0: It, you're not missing anything. I mean, it, 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 yet, it has yet to be a, a really amazing show. Okay. I just watch it because I don't want to be...
1: You don't want to be left out? Yeah. Uh don't tell me, but but here's what I would like. Uh this should be like a springboard for all sorts of like third tier Marvel heroes or characters, not even heroes, but characters.
0: Uh I will tell you this. Uh one of your favorite characters has a weird appearance.
1: Deathlocks in it?
0: <laughs> I told you, I'm not going to say
1: anything. Oh man, now I got to watch. <laughs> He better. Is he going to get his own show, Adam? Oh my god, I would so watch a Deathlock series. That'd be awesome. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, remember, we're running our contest to give away um, X Men number one fifty three in acceptably used condition. All you got to do is visit us at one of our locations, www.xmenpodcast.com. Leave a comment there. You can go to the iTunes page. You can give us a five star review by typing in Danger Room and finding us and and doing the that thing where you do the five stars in the comment. You can send us an email, uh, Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. Tell us well whatever you want to tell us. You can also follow us at Danger Room Go. Visit us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. If you can do any one of those things, and then you send me an email at the Danger Room at saying, I did that thing, you will be automatically, well, I mean, I guess there's some intervention in there, but you will be entered into the contest drawing for X-Men number 153, a classic comic book from Marvel out of my personal collection. Right, Adam, that's huge, isn't it? And you're going to be reading it on air as we do that issue. That's right. I'm going to read for, like you are going to get the issue that I read from on this podcast. So somehow it'll be weirdly connected to the internet. Um. So uh, and if you uh, leave us a voicemail at five zero one get X Men, uh, saying anything, literally anything, uh, you will get double entry points. That's two. And uh, if you're like one of those guys that's like, well, I've already liked you on Facebook and I've already done the thing on iTunes, just do something different. Like do whatever you haven't already done uh, or leave us the voicemail and uh, and boom, you're entered. And I can tell you that the entry list right now is it's very small. So the odds of winning are very high. So get your entries in soon. Enough said.
0: Did you do any uh, reading this decade?
1: Yes. Um, I read Dazzler. I read Dazzler about three weeks ago, so my memory on it is a little fuzzy. Uh, This is Dazzler number nine from, I guess, November of 1981-ish. Yeah,
0: it's the same month as the issue
1: that we just read.
0: Hence the win at Columbia 10 Speed Formula 10 racer on the cover.
1: Yeah, ruining this comic book cover as well. Uh, and as you'll remember, last issue she was abducted uh, and said that she was going to be taken to Mister Meeker. Mister Meeker. And I don't so remember she, that she's in a car, and she gets taken to a helicopter. And I don't really remember the order in which this is done, but basically we find out that these are uh, government guys, and and they're actually on the up and up. They're not criminals. And so what they do is they take her to this bo- uh, base. They introduce her to a superhero who you may be familiar with. His name is Quasar. And apparently Qua- I like Quasar Quasar has a similar uh similar abilities that are light oriented. Um I don't know if he absorbs sound to create the light, but whatever. He's got light-based powers. And so what they want to do is um they've they've discovered and again this might be a little out of order, but they've discovered that she absorbs sound like a battery storing it for later light use and they want to see how far they can take that? Like, what, the, what, how far? What is their limitation on that? But as they go through this complex, they find some other people who are mostly villains. A dude named Solar, who was, I guess, a Captain America villain. Uh, another mm-hmm. dude named um, Hull, H- 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 Huklo. <laughs> I don't know his name is Huklo. He uh, possesses incredible radi- radioactive energy in the mind of a two-year-old. So that's, oh, that's something. Interesting. <laughs> and then they get we get our first introduction, our first introduction, but not the Marvel Universe's first introduction to Claw, who is a man comprised solely out of um, light. Yes, he is 100% light. Solid light. And he types up a little thing on the screen that says, Don't trust them. Soon you'll be a prisoner like the rest of us. So anyways, they run her through a gambit of tests and they figure out that she's Next to unlimited, as far as how much power she can store, at least they haven't found her max. Uh, meanwhile, her friends are trying to get a hold of her. Like, we've got Harry Osgood, uh, the doctor, Johnny Storm, her grandmother, etc. Nobody can get a hold of her, and uh, she in this weird page is laying in the uh test laboratory apparently post orgasm. It's very weird. I think what they're trying to be like is like, oh, she's so drained from all these tests. But she looks like she's in a state of pure uh, euphoria. And she's wearing uh, like a pink bikini, which is weird. Anyways, uh, they, they basically tell her like, we're never going to let you go. So she's getting a little mad. Uh, so she decides that she's going to try to escape. But she comes up against Quasar. And Quasar is like, come on, stay. You can help us. And she's like, Fine. After she tries to shoot him, all of her powers drained. So the next day, she goes in for some more tests, and as she's getting ready for the test, she sees a message from Claw saying, "'You should leave because what they're going to do to me is going to be so awful.'" And so they start doing some tests, but the technicians are like, What the hell's wrong with Claw? Like, this never hurts him. Like, this is not painful to him at all. But he's sitting in his little chamber and he's like gritting his teeth and he just looks like he's in pain, playing on uh, Allison Blair's womanly emotions. And so finally, she's had enough and she lets him go. And that's when Claw comes out and he starts attacking Dazzler. So he's free. He's attacking people. Quasar goes and they fight with. Claw and Dazzler comes around, and she fights with Claw, and eventually, Claw shoots his little. So I guess he transmutes like sound into light, and Dazzler absorbs sound. So they're like basically uh, perfect nemesis for one another. But eventually, uh, so he shoots all of his light energy transmuted into sound, and she absorbs all of it. So she essentially absorbs Claw claw is in her which is weird i mean this is so she's like oh my god i absorbed him like she kind of feels like a wreck but now she's kind of radiating with all this power because she's kind of like a battery as we've established earlier so she's like look i'm not staying any longer so she blasts a hole in the side of the wall and she leaves uh, and she feels really powerful and she's kind of freaked out by it and now she's like i'm a monster because everything i touch is i destroy and and that's when we shift our attention to space And a guy whose name I should recognize, uh, who who I don't, is running some controls and says, well, I think this is the one. Let's go get her. And the next issue is called Galactus. That's right. Galactus. Believe it. (laughs) Galactus, huh? Yep.
0: Is she going to become the Herald of Galactus? Because that would kind of be awesome.
1: Well, spoilers, no. But... Uh, I One of the very first uh, What if issues I ever bought Was probably from right around this time 1982, 1983 time frame uh, Was what if Dazzler became The Herald of Galactus Ooh, Which was a mildly that, interesting story Is that a good issue? Yeah, I like all those uh, old mid-80s What if issues There was another one that was like What if Beast and Thing kept mutating Which was pretty interesting Wait,
0: Beast does keep mutating
1: Well, he like mutates Actually, you're right <laughs> Yeah, and in it he becomes, I think, like a stupid monster, and I and think so. It's like
0: a flowers for Algernon type story,
1: kind of. Yeah, and then uh, thing he keeps, uh, he gets rockier and rockier and rockier until one day, like he's not rock anymore. He's just Ben Grimm. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's all I got for Dazzler this week. Did you do any reading? I, I did. Uh, I read.
0: Marvel graphic novel number one: The Death of Captain Marvel. Whoa!
1: Why? And this
0: is a, a five ninety five nice paper thing.
1: How do you know? Did you buy it?
0: No, I'm just looking at the. I, I I did some reading about it actually, but yeah, I'm looking at the cover. Okay. No, I I don't I I don't. I wonder if you could even get this anymore.
1: Well, sure you could. I'm sure you can,
0: but I I don't know where. eBay. Uh, it, like. With the God Loves Man Kills is one of these. Do you have the original God Loves Man Kills?
1: Uh, I believe mine is a sixth printing, but yes. Oh. Okay. Well, it, I guess it's probably very similar, though. Probably, yeah.
0: But I guess uh, I did some reading about this, which is uh, interesting. After Jean Grey died, and the issue after Jean Grey died was even more popular than the issue where Jean Grey died, uh, Jim Shooter... Decided we need to start killing off other characters. This is this is a moneymaker. Ching. So, so he hit up Jim Starlin to kill off Captain Marvel, and uh, so Jim Starlin draws and writes this particular issue, and it's it's pretty interesting. Um, uh, like it picks up where we where we left off with the whole Thanos versus the Avengers thing, where Thanos was a big stone statue. And uh, Captain Marvel and Thanos' brother and father go to pick up that statue and move it back for safeguarding because the Avengers just decided to leave it in the middle of nowhere. Right. And then we learn that Captain Marvel, um, through all of his battles, has uh, cancer. Oh. Just straight-up cancer. <laughs> and apparently he's Kree, and the the Kree could cure it, but they refused to help him. Mm. So there's this whole big... Issue with like, what does cancer mean for a superhero? And a lot of uh, the the heroes of the Marvel universe, like Iron Man and Beast, and uh, I think the the Brain guys, right? Uh, Hank Pym, um, Wonder Man for some reason, <laughs> hmm. um, and Thor also. But oh, Vision, uh, they all decide to try and figure out what uh what they can do to cure cancer okay is it's interesting, yeah, and yeah at first, at first they're all hesitant to, to do it. they're like, ah, I, I don't know, that's kind of uh, we we beat up bad guys. Uh, that's kind of real, and then Rick Jones was like, "You guys are dicks, <laughs> good old Rick Jones <laughs> well Rick Jones used to be like like Captain Marvel. They used to switch places in the negative zone whenever, right, back in the old days of Marvel. So I guess they've somehow separated.
1: Right. But he's always like the voice of reason or something. Yeah. Like, don't kill yeah. the Hulk. He's my friend. Yeah.
0: So the uh, the rest of the issue, they're trying to fight stuff. And like every Marvel superhero shows up to give their uh, regards and see what's going on. And there's a big splash panel with everybody, including the X-Men, uh, old and new. Wow. And um, the the leader uh, or one of the scroll leaders shows up to give his regards and says, oh, you were one of our best. Uh, we're not, we're not going to do anything bad We're, we just want to tell you how, how great a foe you are. And it sucks that you're dying from cancer because this is really lame. <laughs> Cancer's lame. And, uh, Ben is kneeling. Uh, ben Grimm is kneeling by the thing and talking about, you know, old time, uh, battles and how tough, uh, Captain Marvel is and he turns towards Spider Man and he says, Ain't that right, Spidey? And Spidey's like, uh I mean, sure, uh I I gotta go. <laughs> and Grim flips out and he's like, Spidey, what the heck? And uh Kevin Marvel says, Death touches us all in different ways. Some barely feel its passing. passing, others it strikes right in the face. Hmm. And uh Spider-Man's all upset. He's just all shaken up and Cyclops puts hand on Cyclops' back and says, It's
1: okay, man. Is it because of his uncle? <laughs> yeah,
0: of course. Captain Marvel is one of us. He's a full-blown card-carrying superhero. We die from bullets and bombs, not from something like cancer. It just can't be. Uh, Rick Jones goes in to talk to him and starts crying, and they're alone for a while, and Drax the Destroyer shows up.
1: I don't know who that is. You,
0: didn't you see Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: Oh yeah,
0: it was Drax, the green guy.
1: Okay, I didn't really pay attention to their names. Oh, <laughs> I know there's there's a funny guy, a funnier guy. It was the
0: green male. Okay, as played by Bautista.
1: It was a good movie. I liked it.
0: So the heroes decide that they have failed, and uh, Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel, slowly starts uh, dying, and then Thanos on uh, un- comes out of his statue, and they they do battle on the spiritual realm, and. Captain Marvel trying to figures out what it really means to be a hero, and he learns to accept death, um, and then he he really dies. Aww. The heroes are sad. Aww. It's, it's a pretty interesting story. Huh? If you're into the whole cosmic universe, I'm sure he eventually comes back. I'm sure he does too. It's It's interesting. It's got Thanos. It's got death. It's got pretty much every Marvel hero.
1: Okay. It's well worth reading. Alright then. That's all that's all I did. Okay. I appreciate the reading that you have done, Adam.
0: Oh, I appreciate your reading too.
1: <laughs> Alright then. Anything else?
0: Negatron.
1: Well then, until next time, the danger room is closed.
2: The day's along when you're away. My heart and mind agree. Time to start in making plans for you and me Baby, no need for fancy sentiments It's plain as ABC I hardly need to explain that It's quite plain that Me minus you Means just nothing at all But me plus you equals love Night minus moon means no romance at all, but night plus moon equals love. Won't you hug a little, snug a little
1: closer, how about that? Will your answer be yes or no?